Namaskar. Hello and welcome to P Guru's channel. I'm your host Shri Ayer. Today with Lieutenant General Ravi Shankar, we are going to talk about a couple of things. One is how to make India wean itself away from imports from China. And the other one is the state of Atmanirbharta in one segment that he was largely a part of much before the phrase Atmanirbharta was used by the Prime Minister. So both these things will be discussed today with General Ravi Shankar. Let's go ahead and invite him to our program. General Ravi Shankar, Namaskar and welcome to P Guru's channel. Namaskar and uh, thanks a lot for inviting me uh, again on your show, Mr. Shriyar. And uh, at the outset, let me wish everyone a very happy Dashera. And uh, Dashera being symbolizes the victory of uh, good over evil, right? And I think you've chosen an appropriate topic. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> on and this particular day, yeah. Yes. Uh, thank you, sir. That was more coincidental than anything else, sir. And uh, I saw your article, I think yesterday it was published, and I said, no, it's got a hangout. Banta hai. So that's how I came to the conclusion. And as always, you are very cooperative. You agreed to come online at a day's notice. At a day's notice. Um, General Ravishankar, you've been a very keen watcher of China. You know them inside out. Uh, I think you have a bit of a, a, a slideshow that you want to use and walk us through our main imports from China and what are the challenges those things uh, are giving us and how they can be overcome. So please take it away, sir, and the floor is yours. Yeah, uh, thanks a lot. Uh, we all know that our trade imbalance with China is pretty high. Uh, early, sometime during the COVID time, uh, the imports from China had gone down, but they have not now, the moment that the COVID has taken out uh, or rather disappeared from India virtually, at least the restrictions, the imports have gone up. And there is a lot of hue and cry as to why are we getting more dependent on China. So I'll put a few figures through and then see uh, where are we going from there. Uh, if you can have that uh, presentation. Yeah. You know, in the past one year, this basically we're, I'm covering this nine, eight month period from Jan to August. Uh, we've grown 23% almost year on year. That's hell of a lot of uh, interestingly, 65% of our imports are in three groups, electronics, machinery, and organic chemicals, including APIs. We'll touch upon each of this a little later. And if you see the maximum growth is in mobile phones, telecom equipment, solar cells, you know, electronics. And the last one is important, lithium-ion battery. And we are critically dependent on China for articles of everyday use as well for industrial products. Now, the moment electric vehicle comes in, this lithium-ion battery and etc. X, Y, Z, and we're going to go back. The, the import dependence on uh, China will increase. So, what are we doing about it? That's the first question which is which will come up. I think uh, first and foremost, what I would say is, look, if you want your system to grow, you don't have a choice but to import from China. Let me touch on this business of APIs. What is API? Active pharmaceutical ingredients. Those are the basics which are required for your pharmaceutical industry. So what actually we've not got the full picture. You're importing from China, making pharmaceuticals, making drugs, making everything and importing, exporting it to everywhere else. So to that extent, I am not too worried about APIs. But the point here is uh, at the turn of the centuries, we were 
fully self-dependent on everything, including APIs. WTO came, you had, you know, uh, equations with China changed. And all your factories which made APIs vanished. They were undercut by China and you allowed them to happen. Now there is a move already by the government to restart many of these APIs. But it's not going to happen overnight. I suppose it will take another four to five years before the APIs industry starts uh, working back in India. Even then, we might not hit the 100% mark. We might be at 60% mark, 70% mark. It's going to take time. What's destroyed over 20 years, 30 years won't get uh, built over 10, five years, right? It's investment. So even to build a house takes two years, three years, right? So you're talking of a factory, you're talking of uh, uh, linkages xyz so there is an issue here the second thing is we have to be clear you know when you go in for all these things the easiest thing is to say why can't we make everything here in india we have to see what's the cost benefit analysis china has paid a heavy price in pollution right now if you start making lithium-ion batteries you start making all this electronic everything what is the cost you're prepared to pay in pollution I'll give you an example the sterlite factory right down south in Tutukoran, that got closed. Why? Because of pollution and other effects. But that made you totally import dependent on copper from China. Right? Till that factory was functional, you were export oriented system. So the cost benefit analysis, look, we're not getting into the, uh, what, the whole story of the sterlite story. That's a different story. But I'm just trying to put across a point that there's a cost benefit analysis of whatever you do. Right, And if you're going to import from China and export elsewhere and you're making a buck out of it, that's okay. It balances. But the problem is, are you, you should not ever be too dependent on China. To that extent, I think there is already a move uh, afoot. Right, We had this uh, production productivity-linked in, uh, incentive scheme, PLI scheme. In all these 10, if you see all these issues are covered and it's in the initial stages. Any PLI scheme to come good takes five to 10 years. It doesn't happen overnight. So for us to expect that, look, uh, you know, tomorrow I'll not be dependent on China is, I think, fallacious to even dream of. It's a, it's like a Chinese dream, which never exists, right? So we'll have to have patience. And I think the government is aware of it. Uh, if anything, I only good read positive reports about uh, PLI. The next thing I'm very hopeful about this PLI is succeeding. It has to succeed for the simple reason people have money to invest, FDI, right? People don't want to put it in China beyond a point. That's very clear. That's a global sentiment. So the alternative is to come here. And if you're giving them PLI, everything, the investments are coming. That's why you see amongst all the big economies, it's only the Indian economy which is growing and the others are all stagnating or recessing, right? In this con con current global conditions, if your economy is growing at 7 to 8%, it is like 15 to 16% of the good old times. So to that extent, I'm sanguine that uh, we are things are under control. Yes, there has to be a constancy about uh, reducing uh, you know, will, uh, uh, imports from China. I think the government is aware of it. We have to give it uh, time. Uh, this might take anything on this, then we can uh, move to the next one. Yes, sir. Couple of questions. Couple of questions, General. Uh, one is that there is a 
possible shortage for raw materials that are going to making fertilizers. For instance, potash from Russia and phosphates from China. Uh, I didn't see that in the PLI schemes. Is that something that the government is fairly confident of? Do you know? Yeah, they, I think so. I think so. I think they're confident of it because uh, Ukraine and you see, you're making uh, Ukraine is also involved in this. Ukraine and yes, uh, Russia, yes, yes. you're still. You know, the Prime Minister has done outreach to them. Even if so, uh, China goes out of the equation, uh, you still have Russia and Ukraine. Uh, part of their revival of their economy, they have to come to you and sell. So I don't see that. Uh, beyond the point, I don't think it will be a matter of concern. Right? So to that, uh, I'm, I think our government has it under control. Um, the the other thing that I saw in, in your presentation, sir, I just want to bring up the PowerPoint again because I want to see something here. Um, white goods. What are white goods, General Ravi Shankar? Mm, that's an interesting thing. Uh, I mean, generally, these are the goods which are common day use, which are not covered in other sectors. Let's you mean like fast-moving consumer goods? Yeah, fast-moving fast consumer FMS. goods. Yeah, FMCG. FMCG, yeah. FMCG. Right, so that's how it is. Thank you so much, sir. And uh, viewers, you can send in your questions on this particular program uh, with the hashtag Ask LT Gen Shankar. And I know it's a little long, but uh, that has to be the way. That's the way it should be. And uh, also, we're going to talk about Atmanirbharata. And there's a small story that goes behind this. I'm going to set the stage up and let uh, the general take over. Now, uh, when the general was still in active service, he was working under perhaps one of the best defense ministers India has ever had, Manohar Parikar. And General Ravi Shankar, kind of walk us, take us back in memory, timeline, and tell us when you met uh, Mr. Parikar and how that worked and your contribution in trying to be Atmanirbhar to the extent possible in arms and ammunition, sir. Yeah, uh, you know, when I... Uh took over as a director general artillery. Uh, that was a time when India had not had any guns for the past 30 years before that. We'd never had it made or imported this one double five mm guns. Or ammunition, we were short of ammunition. Uh, we were short of rocket systems. We were short of many things. So one day, Mr. Manohar Parikar called me and the vice chief and a few other senior officers and said, look, my priority is uh, artillery. A uh, nation cannot be without guns. So tell me what we can do. And uh, so we went over it. And then we decided that uh, we need uh, a few. We said, look, of all the schemes that we had, we narrowed it down to the fact that we could get about four guns, uh, make good our ammunition, make good our fuses, right? Uh, and things like that. And we made a strategy. And we said, look, where you can't make good immediately, we'll continue with import. You know, you can't straight away say, I'll not import. That's the most foolish thing to do. Right? We'll continue import. And when the time comes, we'll cut off. And then we'll see how to make things happen and all that. And then uh, he, he told me, look, the Shankar, this is my priority. Every month, you'll come and meet me. And if there's any problems, we'll resolve it. I'll resolve it for you. I said, look, you are giving me a big ask. What we have not done in the past 35 years, 
you asking me to push through in two years. He said, look, you have pulled two years and I think, I said, yeah, I, I can do it, but I need your help. He said, no problems. So then we went about, we had various uh, four different type of guns. One was a indigenous production, one was a DRDO development design, right? Um, uh, in fact, it was actually five guns. One was a upgradation program, one was an outright purchase from USA, and one was a global tender with LNT and you know the Koreans, and also the Russians were involved at that time. All these were at almost the starting stage. I won't say starting stage; they were we we could see the light. They were all at a critical stage where they had to be guided through. And our ammunition was actually bad. We were in a very bad shape. So I said, fine. And then he, we started the process, started dealing with people, problems coming up, how to resolve everything. Uh, I mean, bureaucracy will put their point of view. Someone else will put their point of view. OFB will put their point of view, X, Y, Z, a lot of problems. So. But what helped me most was this direct interaction with the uh, with Mr. Parikar. He had told me every month you come to me. So I used to go uh, first thing in the morning on the day, you know, take an appointment, and he used to call me before the office also opened. I mean, this is the trick. I used to go to him at about eight thirty in the morning when even monkeys wouldn't you know dare to come into South Block. Look, if you go to South Block, there are a lot of monkeys around. That's why, and. They, <laughs> At <laughs> <laughs> 8.30, there were no monkeys also to disturb us. I used to go sit with them. Okay, what happened? So I said to them, so this is what happened, and this is where I'm stuck, and this is where Okay, fine. Uh, he'll note down. He used to say, go. I used to go back to my office and you know, sit down for a cup of tea or breakfast or water. And by 10 o'clock, people used to say, look, you gave this point to the RM. How do we solve it for you? So the bureaucracy became, uh, you know, completely aligned to what the two of us were thinking. I was at one end doing things, and he was at another end, end you know, pulling the strings. So everyone was on the string in between, were working. Not that we didn't have problems. A lot of problems, a lot of pushes, a lot of pulls. Uh, there were many people who wanted to short it, circuit the whole thing, and you know, they'll go and tell the. Mantri ji, ki bhai ye ye hona chahiye, ye BGRT ye nahi karne de raha hai. So Delil cast me, yeah, what are you doing? I used to tell him, this is it, and this fellow is behaving this way. He says, okay, I already wield the danda type, you know. <laughs> and things started moving. And then he started backing me. Because, you know, when you're dealing for four or five heavy systems, you're dealing with rocket systems, you're dealing with Russia, you're dealing with USA, you're dealing with XYZ, and, you know, you're, you're dealing with big countries. Uh, mega projects. Each project was worth about five to six thousand crores, right? There's a lot of pulls and pressures. There's a lot of financial pressures. There's a lot of other things. There's a lot of competition, and it's a bit bit of a murky world also. And the only thing one day someone told me, "Yeah, Shankar, itna tum karro, sir kar jayega tumara." I said, "Look, ek hi sir hai, ek hi baar kardega." <laughs> and I'm very clear what I'm doing, right? And I have given my bank balance to and my you know, latest statement of accounts to who matters. And I said, you can keep noting wherever you want. And I said, I took a call that I'll not go out of the country, period. 
I'll not meet anyone uh, other than Indians in my dealing. And if I have to meet uh, this thing, it will be only in a common thing. No parties, no nothing, zero. I became a monk for two years. I mean, not in the sense, uh, I never used to meet anyone socially. Outside, of course, army and, you know, within. I mean, we used to have a lot of parties within. That's a different story. And then we made progress. We made progress towards the end of my tenure. Uh, all programs which we were uh, aiming for, we were able to close it. And I, they didn't get inducted by the time I left the service, but most of the contracts were on the anvil or signed. Um, ammunition. Look, the asset test of all this is not my talk. The asset test is, could we face the enemy? If you see in 2014, 2014, Mr. Rahul Bedi wrote an article in, I think, either Hindu or Times of India, I don't remember, one of those papers, where he said, this is an artillery in search of guns and an army in search of ammunition. <laughs> right? I felt it was, I felt very bad. 2000, come 2016, when I retired, we had ammunition. 2016, we carried out the surgical strikes. In, immediately after the surgical strikes, there, were, there was a situation where we were having, you know, uh, some issue with Pakistan. So we had to take stock. If, if the situation develops into something, can we uh, do the whatever is required to be done? And we found we could. We had made up our ammunition by then. We had made up our ammunition before I left service. Come 2017, if you remember, and uh, Doklam happened. For the first time, we confronted China. And uh, I still remember General Bipin Rawat. Bipin Rawat and I went back a long way. When he was a vice chief and I was still the DGRT, we had used to have a discussion. He said, how did you make this ammunition up? I told him X, Y, Z. It's still in the pipeline. We have not made up our ammunition. We need to do more. But come June, July, when the Doklam thing happened, Bipin Rawat was the chief and he had the, he had the courage to stand up to China. And I knew our ammunition was made up by then. Because no chief can uh, take the stand if you don't have artillery ammunition in hand. Right? And we had made it up. And come Eastern Ladakh, we were, actually today we are on a pig's back. Believe you me. The bread and butter ammunition. You might not have fancy ammunition, but what you have to defend the country, we have. Now, along um, with that, along with that, the beauty is we sealed the deal for the M777. Today, the last M777 has been delivered to the army, right? The uh, K9 Vajra 155mm guns, they were the delivery has started, it has finished, it has completed the high altitude trials, and the army has ordered for 100 more. That's the second. The third is the attacks which are displayed in the Red Fort. That started off the drawing board. And fourth was the Sharang, which is in which there was a upgunning of uh, old 130 was converted into 155. Very cheap stuff. For about 2 crores, you got an upgunned gun. You already got about, uh, I think about 200 of them, they've been inducted into the thing. And then the Danush, the first regiment of Danush has gone in. So you see, in a matter of about 6 years now, 2016 I left, not 2022, the scene has changed. 
just the other day the uh, dac ordered for the uh, pinaka extended range which i started the program when i was there right uh, we the indigenous wlrs uh, weapon locating radars was a huge thing i mean people don't know about it it's not in the news but it's a huge thing the, the americans came to and they said how did you guys make it we said look that's that's a different story so <laughs> I mean, let me give you a you know a story within the story. Now, we bought the WLRs, weapon locating radars. When we got it, we brought bought the Mark III version. Okay, the Americans were having the Mark VII version, the latest version. They didn't give that to us; they gave us the older version. And we knew it, and we started developing the latest one. When we were inducting our own Swati weapon locating radars, the Americans came back. Was I said we'll give you the Mark 10. We're just inducting them to the army. I said I'll give you the Mark 11. Why didn't you buy my Swati radar? <laughs> Sir, okay. Mark 10, Mark Mark 10, Mark 11 are all in hypersonic range now. No, 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 no. We're it's not Mark M A R K Mark 10. Mark oh, M A R K. Got it, got it, got okay. it. Okay, there's a 10th or 11th version okay, of the okay. radar upgraded. Right? Americans have upgraded this. They start with the system and they keep upgrading it. it never becomes old they keep upgrading it right so i said i'll give you the latest one and today i was just speaking to the dgrt who is now in chair he says i don't want the american systems indian systems so and, and this was a time when atmanirbhata was there but it was not a clarion call the way it is today right a lot of lot can be done in atmanirbhata so this is my story now but we can you, you have questions about today we can uh, talk yes indeed uh, first thing is that for viewers who missed out uh, general ravishankar's recollections about uh, cds bipin uh, rawat there is an episode we we'll try to put it in our description section so you can go on and look at how general ravishankar and general rawat more or less they were contemporaries maybe one or two years off but they've had a lot of interaction over the years it's a very fascinating story now um general um, general ravishankar all this stuff when you say that we are doing indigenously the metallurgy the metals the raw materials is there anything there that could be you know critical which has to be imported from somewhere could be ukraine could be russia could be china mota mota sir zero you don't need to import anything you might have to import raw materials you have to import parts but that's normal no that's not nothing critical see criticality if you look at atmanirbhata criticality lies in technology it doesn't lie in yes. material okay it lies in technology uh, and the numbers which we need for uh, you know uh, amount of material raw material you need for the numbers you want in defense are very small compared to what you need for other sectors in the overall scheme of things you need very little so criticality is not there you need technology you need criticality is technology actually that's my thrust line today even now i am in iit i'm not interested in competing with the, uh, uh, you know any public sector undertaking or any thing i'm not interested in that i'm interested in creating technology if you can't create technology you're out of the equation yes yes couldn't agree with What? you more sir what we lack in india is technology and if i have a bone to pick with the current dispensation and i had this bone to pick not today even earlier 
okay i was a outlier when i went in for making technology is that we are not make we are not investing in technology technology needs investment you invest in technology today you will get technology 5 10 15 years back down the line you might not get it but you there will be an offshoot somewhere else unfortunately today we are not investing in technology and that is my biggest worry why are we not investing in technology because many reasons one i don't think our leadership at national level understands this they are looking for far too many instant results uh, the bureaucracy is just ignorant about it uh, and i can assure you this uh, right the armed forces officers are don't have the patience to wait for that technology to fructify because for them it's transactional they have to defend the border today right so whatever they want they, they say look i need item i couldn't care a damn where it comes from so there is no body which puts this together and the drdo is malfunctioning uh, like nobody's business i mean this is uh, endemic or osb has been broken up i think something similar has to be done for drdo otherwise they'll not deliver right it is not enough for them to deliver one missile and you know one tank and one even the tank after 30 years what's the use of getting a tank the stages has come it's come good but it has come good after 40 years of uh, this thing so we are we getting it in the right time frame we are not are we getting in the right quantity we are not do we have the right technologies we are not right what have you do, done to ensure that the technology goes through you is not you not have you tapped your own human capital no that's my problem general ravishankar speaking of tejas um if i remember correctly i mean i could be off a little bit in the early 90s uh, when india decided that it shall make tejas uh, it didn't matter which coalition government was in power they managed to still fund the tejas program 5000 crores or something like that was the annual budget and most of the work was happening in hal bangalore I, I remember that because the going rate for an engineer working on the Tejas program was fifteen thousand rupees a month. It was a princely sum, and and other engineers were struggling for five thousand. Just wanted to tell you that they, they, at least you know the the Devagodas and and the Gujarals, at least the Tejas program was uh, always you know they found the money for that. Uh, I don't know if it ran into rough weather after that. It did take a lot longer, a lot longer. look uh, it's not a matter of funding funding is something which uh, i think every government irrespective of which government it was has uh, to be fair they have invested in uh, all these programs investment in a program is not the key uh, in developing technology or a system having a insight into the technology is what we lack and this is where the bureaucracy comes in right our bureaucracy has not just been technical enough you get a guy who doesn't understand technology and you put him in the chair as a in wherever whichever key appointment you have he is going to uh, you know look at it bureaucratically right uh, yeah what he says is right 
ఆడ లాట్ ఆఫ్ ఇష్యూస్ వెర్ ఇన్వాల్వ్ ఏరోనాటికల్ డెవలప్మెంట్ అథారిటీ వెర్ ఇన్వాల్వ్ అండ్ మెనీ థింగ్స్ బట్ ద ఫ్యాక్ట్ ఇస్ వీ డింట్ ఇన్వెస్ట్ ఇన్ టెక్నాలజీ ద గైస్ హూమ్ వీ హ్యాడ్ వీ కుడ్ పుట్ దెమ్ త్రూ లెట్ మీ టేక్ అ ఎగ్జాంపుల్ ఇట్ వాజ్ ఓన్లీ అ పర్సన్ లైక్ అబ్దుల్ కలాం హూ బ్రాడ్ ద టెక్నాలజీ ఫ్రమ్ ఇజ్రో ఇన్ టు డిఆర్డిఓ అండ్ మేడ్ ఇట్ ఫ్లవర్ అండ్ టేక్ ద మిసైల్ డెవలప్మెంట్ టుక్ ఆఫ్ because at that point of time we were under a uh, missile technology control regime we didn't get anything so we had no choice and the environment was good enough and we put together and the man was there in other things we didn't have this leadership in technology we didn't invest in it so we are stuck right basically we are stuck in the tejas for the engine the kaveri engine right so why we didn't this thing is a different story altogether but ultimately it comes because we lacked technology okay and in fact that's why i am also looking at like i've started this thing recently called the center for ammunition research and development in ammunition technology in iit we just started it right uh, why are we starting it because we need to get technology and to make technology happen you have to do it from grassroots level and that is why we lacked technology for this kaveri uh, engine on or for that matter the tejas engine or many things you don't have a academic program for uh, defense and that academic program only one uh, institute the defense diit was making uh, people teaching this that had no connection with the labs right in the in the real sense you know the way it is and uh, that was not a continual program it was not think that uh our system was disjointed it still is fragmented i want to create that system in us that's not the way things happen in advanced countries that's not the way things happen so you need to have fundamental study about it you need to have fundamental research about it you need to have the industry as part of that you need to have the user as part of that all these guys have to come together and you have to have multidisciplinary approach to put things together and that's what we are doing why are we doing it because we got hold of certain technologies i mean good thing is we got hold of technologies where did we get this technologies from i went to the army and said let, let let's we forget about whatever you're doing you continue i want you to invest minimum minuscule amount in tomorrow's technology they invested and that technology we come to a level where we it's given us confidence to take off we are in the embryonic stage now will prosper it might take 15 20 years but i'm sure 20 years down the line we'll be absolutely self dependent on and atmanirbhar on ammunition technologies when you say ammunition technologies it might sound funny but we are now you're talking of unmanned technologies you're talking of robotics you're talking of ai you're talking of machine learning you're talking of additive manufacturing you can you you you're talking of startup ecology you're starting of so many things design development right it could be loitering systems it could be missile systems it could be basic gun ammunition everything that's a huge packet we're we're doing it let's see where it goes i'm hopeful yes indeed and that was a very fascinating journey down memory lane for the last few years of what the army has been trying to do i shouldn't say arm, armed forces uh, in trying to become self reliant atmanirbhar uh, general ravishankar we have a few questions for you sir yeah, and let's please. start the questions please
While the questions are being lined up, may I request all of you to like, share, and subscribe to our program and also click on the bell for notifications. The first question is, Barani Chandar wants to know, what is the current update on Agnivir? Yeah, we're talking of technology and he's taken off on Agnivir. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but be that as it may, the Agnivirs are coming. There's no doubt about it. Let's not have any doubts. In it, it, uh, I've had an interaction with a lot of people, uh, right from the top of the hierarchy to the bottom, who, guys who are actually training these chaps. Mm, the, there are issues with the Agnivir system. Right, it is actually even now, uh, it's not something great. I, I, I it has to be modified. Uh, there is a good thing that's the bad part of the story, right? It's not a good scheme. The good part of the story is people are aware of it, and we have time for three to four years before we set it right. So, there is already a saying, Look, let's first roll it out because we'll have some problems in rolling it out. And why, as it gets rolled out, we'll come to problems. We probably will take a call at every, at some benchmark time, right? At some bay point, and we'll start amending, right? And uh, things. Uh, my view is that, uh, uh, look, I was one of the most vocal critics of this. I wrote very, uh, I was very critical about this, and, and I spared, I didn't spare my words. Uh, and, but at the end of three, four articles where I was very critical, I, I started giving solutions also. Uh, to me, it made great sense that the other day I was speaking to a very senior officer in uh, Army headquarters who who say, who told me, look, sir, I've got all your articles on my table and I'm aware of what you have spoken. We are very conscious of the fact that we have to uh, uh, modify the scheme. but." Uh, First, our struggle is we have to roll it out, which is a fair thing, right? Uh, we all commit mistakes. It's a new thing which needs to go through in some form. It needs to go through in a sensible form. It was trying to be rolled out in an insensible form. I'm glad that th th things are uh, uh, getting corrected. So that's where the Agnivirs lie. I'm quite hopeful things will uh, stabilize out. Yeah. Nagarajan Srinivasan wants to know, now the Indo-Pak clash is not limited to subcontinent. With Turkey and Pakistan supporting Azerbaijan and India supporting Armenia, supplying Pinaka to that country. Your views, sir? Yeah, we, I don't think we should get involved with all this because this is not our uh, fight. Let Pakistan and Turkey keep supplying uh, whatever they want to do with Azerbaijan. And we have just sold uh, Pinakas to Armenia. It is not a support. It is not. Uh, it's not a proxy war between India and Pakistan and Turkey between going on. It's their thing. Let them do it. I don't think we should see beyond that. Next question from Devbrat Bhaduri. Any specific factors to which China imports can be attributed to? What are the reasons the China imports increase so much? Oh well, look. I told you the why we have. Uh, had to import from China was for 20 years we slept. We just slept. As simple as that. Our direction of economy was somewhere else and China was going on some of this thing. We became dependent on China. So we have no choice. Today your imports from China have gone up for the simple reason that they are giving you raw material except in electronics. There is a and even there like the Vivo, the low end uh, mobiles we have banned. Right? In India, 
Why? Because you are able to replace them. After all, people, the, the common man on the street wants a low-end mobile. He doesn't want a high-end Apple i14, right? He can't afford it in any case. He can't afford it the whole year's pay. So he wants a, a small mobile, which is cheap. And the, the Chinese were offering it to him and he took it. It was good for us. It was okay. That's gone now. Why? Because your PLI scheme is coming good. Someone is making cheap mobiles. They have an alternative. So it's a uh, uh, neat thing. Then the second thing is I told you, pollution. 2015, 16, 17, we were uh, exporting uh, copper through the sterlite plant. But pollution issues came up, all those problems came up, it that plant had to be closed and you became import dependent. Where did you get the import from? China. APIs, I've told you, turn of the century, APIs was in India. I'll, I've given, I'm only reiterating what I said earlier. So there were very clear reasons. Today, you have to, uh, you know, get out of that mold and we are, it'll take time, it'll take four, five years, yeah. Um, viewers, no more questions, please. We have quite a few questions for the general to answer. So I don't think we're going to take any more new questions. Thank you very much. Next question from Nagarajan Srinivasan again. Uh, is surrounding the dragon underway with Philippines buying Brahmos and India extending the line of control to Vietnam for the purchase, I think line of credit to Vietnam credit, for the yeah. purchase of arms? Yeah, I think so. There's no doubt about it. it and it is not a unitary surrounding the dragon. There's a plan. You can see this plan. Containment of China is uh, probably an international requirement. And that is being done through the Quad. Your deal with Philippines might be one-to-one. -one. Your deal with uh, with Vietnam could be one-to-one. -one. One, one, Vietnam was always your entry into the South China Sea. After all, say five, six years back, they give you concessions to explore for oil in South China Sea also. Okay, And that was a bone of contention with China even then. So, it, it is not... You, you had the entry there. Philippines, you always had good equations. Uh, you had good equations with Japan. You always, uh, your uh, equations with South Korea have been on the upswing. Okay. Uh, even, uh, I'll put it, even Malaysia and Indonesia. So, it's not just, not this too. So, you have uh, been having good equations with all of them. While China has been improving there, there's no doubt about it. But with the cord coming in, and the Americans, US, uh, Japan, and uh, Australia also getting into the act, this has increased. So, containing China is not a, a unitary action. It's a collaborative action. China is too big to be controlled. Look, let me put it this way. You're now, we are all talking of containing China. Have you ever thought, can USA be contained? Why can't USA be contained? Is there a country which can contain USA? You can't. Why? It's too big. It won't take one. It will take two Chinas or three Chinas to contain USA. Similarly, China is a big country. It, it, just one country can't contain China. It will take four or five countries with a lot of heft to contain China. And that's happening. Yeah. Srinivasan Iyer wants to know, do we have an indigenous artillery system like the Stinger that works to shoot down low-flying targets below the SAM's range. Yeah, Sam, Sam, uh, surface to air missiles. Yeah. Air missiles. Yeah, we have that's being worked. Bisharads, right? It's called Bisharads. That's a very short-range air defense system uh, that's being developed. We don't have one of our own standard development. 
they've done some firing. DRDO came out with the thing that they fired. But then whatever DRDO says, I'll put, uh, I'll take it with a lot of salt because uh, they have to fire and they say it's ready for induction. Okay. What the performance, that, that's their habit. You can't help it. <laughs> Silicon Valley culture, sir. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. That's part. Uh, maybe they, fit, they should be relocated there. Uh, so, but uh, but what I know is we are doing some uh, good, reasonably good progress there. Next question from Srinivas Kambam Party. How do we become Atmanirbhar in higher education research? How do we retain talent in Bharat? Well, I think you have to get, uh, that's a very good question, in fact. Actually, this is the grassroots question. And this is something which we have completely missed out. Unless our higher education system is good, unless our, we have the capability of uh, retaining the talent which we have, uh, we will not uh, succeed. Uh, let's not have any doubts about it. Today, if uh, USA is succeeding, it is a, on the back of a lot of Indian talent. Okay. And uh, we produce them in IITs. Our IITs uh, produce the real workforce of uh, you know us technology and we don't have a system through which you can harness that technology or that uh, education okay we don't have focused uh, courses which uh, go into these technologies right now even if you that chap must does something on that technology you don't, what is his use for? He, you, you make him very good on a particular technology. You give him a PhD, top of the shack. Tomorrow he'll go and sit in Microsoft. We don't have, we don't have a, a, a program which takes a guy from his youngest, uh, you know, the moment he enters IIT till he you know, retires, how do you employ him? The, the, and look, there's a major problem in this. It is not with the IITs, it is not with the government, it is not with, it is with all of us. When we send, this is a fact, 90% of our students who come in for B.Tech, they are fired up from home. The parents are more interested. Where he'll get a good placement, where he'll get a good job. And their thing is, will he get, say, two crores, three crores, you know, good job outside, abroad, USA, Japan. Germany, can you go there? A guy who's out, barely out of school, 18, 19 years old, who can't earn 50 rupees for himself, he can't spend 25 rupees on his own. You're telling, giving him a dream of two crores and you're pushing him into it. He burns out very fast. Okay. So we have a fundamental problem with ourselves. It's not others. Look, and, and I'm being very serious, this is an actual problem. The number of stressed students I have, I come across, is huge. It, there's a marked difference between our B.Tech students who are looking for a job, who are looking for... He does mechanical and, uh, engineering and tomorrow he does coding for some... Yep, yep. What's the use of his doing mechanical engineering in the best institution of the country and then doing coding for some buffoon in San Francisco. 
right and sir yeah. your name you give me a new name <laughs> no no i am not talking of you there are so many uh, right so we have a problem in house and that problem is something which we need to solve it, that is where and it starts at home okay yeah yes indeed next question please Raghuram Chadalavada wants to know, sir, how can you bypass a great Indian bloated bureaucracy? Look, you can't uh, bypass the bureaucracy. Let's be very clear. Every country needs its bureaucracy. Every country needs its bureaucracy. There is no country without a, which can function without a bureaucracy. Okay. You don't bypass the bureaucracy. The government has to make the bureaucracy responsive. Right? And it, they have to depoliticize the bureaucracy. They have to, the government, you see, what happens in our bureaucracy, which is a very strange thing, is that, you see, let me put it across, say, in the armed forces. Who is responsible for the defense of the country? The prime minister and the uh, cabinet, minister, and so on, yeah. Yeah, cabinet and all. They are the elected representatives. You have elected them. So that they can go and you know defend your country and uphold the constitution, which says constitutionally defend the country. Who is responsible to execute this defense? The armed forces, because it's a constitutional mandate for the armed forces to defend the territorial integrity and sovereignty of the nation. Where is the bureaucratic role in this? He is to facilitate both of them. Okay, that's his role. But does he do that? He becomes the conduit between these two people and becomes the kingpin. Why he does he become the kingpin? He is not. Look, every IAS officer is as nationalistic as you and I are. I have no doubt about him. He becomes the conduit because the, the selected or the appointed or the elected minister does not have domain knowledge. And he is not interested in learning domain knowledge. He is only interested in being political. This is not to respect to this uh, defense minister. I go back and I can uh, quote so many of them. Okay. And the armed forces guy, he, he doesn't know how to go about dealing with the bureaucracy. You know how to deal with the bureaucracy, bureaucracy will deal with you well. You don't know how to deal with the bureaucracy, you'll always, they'll become an impediment. Okay. So this is a strange triangle. In other countries, the bureaucracy helps the two, the armed forces and the this thing. Here, our bureaucracy dictates both. Personally, I have had no problem with the bureaucracy. Why? Classic case which I told you. I was one to one with the minister. The minister knew what I wanted. I had to tell the minister what I wanted and we were successful. The bureaucracy helped us. That is an ideal situation. When things don't happen, it's the most unideal situation. And 90% of the time, the worst thing happens. I've had fantastic output from the bureaucracy. In fact, I'll put it this way. Without the bureaucracy, I couldn't have succeeded. They were the guys at times when I got stuck, they used to say, sir, why didn't we do it this way? I mean, there's a better way of doing it. Fine. I didn't know the rules and regulations. No one taught me uh, the GFR. 
right they they would they, they could come why because ideas were clear intent was clear the politician and the military man knew what to achieve we had laid down the line you bloody well do this and it came so that clarity of thought has to come if that clarity of thought comes between the political hierarchy and the military man the bureaucracy is no more bloated you need that bu- uh, bloated bureaucracy if that isn't there the bureaucracy will uh, you know uh, will play its role the way it is playing now Venki Pindamaneni wants to know, Sir, is private sector being encouraged in R&D and production of rocket artillery ammunition by collaborating with the end user? Look, uh, the intent is there because that is the policy. That 25% of what is given to uh, DRDO will be given to academic institutions and private industry for research. Uh, but so far, it has been one year. There are no guidelines. We don't know how to get that money. We don't know what's the requirement. um the private industry has absolutely let me take it every private chap will tell oh i know how to do research and development he doesn't know how to do research and development in india they don't invest in research and development that's the way our private sector is built money oriented return oriented i don't blame them because they have a board to answer they have a balance sheet to maintain and they they have their shares on you know on which their pay, pay everything depends they have to get their orders in this they don't have time for r&d our r&d is unlike say the british r&d or the you know uh, american, american r&d, R&D. How, how how did this astrazeneca and this covid shield come up who yep. invested in it trump gave them a 2 billion each grant and he said yeah. that you you will subsidize the thing for vaccines yes vaccines as yeah, simple yeah you had to pump prime the r&d through people you would call that guy set up a lab i want xyz technologies and do it and it will be done okay it's not as if we can't do it we can do it um, if you if you are you can run the one of the most successful vaccination programs in the world and eradicate covid you can do that also unfortunately our focus is somewhere else um yours if you want to understand what priming the pump means i don't know how many of you have grown up in villages i have and uh-huh. what happens is you have to uh-huh. hand pump you have a hand pump that needs to pump water from underground and to get the pressure you have to take a glass of water well, and pour it first to build the pressure and then you start furiously pumping then at some point it will catch <laughs> you get a lot of exercise and then it starts pumping out the water from underground so thank you general next question please uh, are we going to to... yeah, yeah go ahead sir yeah are we going to be run by a military industrial complex that's a dream that's a far away dream we don't have one military industrial complex so let's make it first <laughs> i don't think we'll ever get there yeah devprat bhaduri wants to know has india been able to manufacture any good hand, quality handguns like beretta colt till now no we don't we've mm-hmm. not done it see it also uh, wh- there's also a thing that you know in our country everyone is not allowed to take arms and ammunition the way it is in us in us yeah. you can go and buy a, a gun off the store like you buy a brinjal that ha- doesn't happen in uh, you know our country you need a license xyz so as a, it's a very restrictive environment 
so that is why uh, you don't have an industry to back it up yeah mandar karnik wants to know what are the general problems in unified tri service command is it necessary for war fighting yeah there are a lot of problems because uh, for the past 70 years we've never had something called a tri service command except for the andaman nicobar command for the past decade or so and we're not used to it right and our political hierarchy has never thought of it despite the fact that um the kargil uh, review committee did say we should have a cds and we should have joint commands and theaters and all that Uh, for some reason again it comes down to the ignorance of the political system and the bureaucrats have taken advantage of this uh, to say look let's not have it um, there is also a fear latent fear amongst the politicians we are uh, if you give too much power to the army man or the military man he'll take over the country tomorrow uh, and that fear is fed in by vested interests so this has never happened but let me tell you if you don't have tri service commands unified tri service commands uh, you're going to suffer in future you can't fight a war with the with china army fighting its own war air force fighting its own war and navy fighting its own war it has to be together uh, next question please uh, vivek manjeshwar wants to know why is sir why is our ak203 stuck why russians didn't start early did they want to hike the price sir i i really don't know i know that there are problems in negotiation i really don't know the uh, intricate details so i won't hazard a guess in this next question please palani mail wants to know sir your take on f16 technical assistance to pakistan ah there are angles to it they uh, us will give us will not let pakistan off the hook if they let pakistan off the hook they'll go to china pakistanis and they'll go completely towards china so they'll not let pakistan off the hook um, afghanistan is still remains a problematic uh, entity after all if you see there are a lot of killings going on in afghanistan it's still unstable and you still need pakistan pakistan itself might get suffer because of that that's a different story So you still need Pakistan. So Pakistan, the US will uh, go for Pakistan, and Pakistan is very clear. Whatever help it wants to give, it will give to uh, USA. But the demand is very clear out of Pakistan: army against India. <laughs> Look, everyone has his end, and uh, I think in US has taken this as a you know case to say um, we'll help pakistan out to remind india not to go towards russia so there is a whole <laughs> lot of in, in fact at 10 o'clock adi achint and i are going to discuss this because we are in a quadrilateral china india pakistan and usa there right. is a new shift going on okay <laughs> yeah it's a fact if you look at it the equation between china and uh, pakistan is not the same as before the equation of china and india is not the same as before so is with this thing everything is shifting so it's in a very fluid situation part of this yeah 
Yeah, this is a fair question. Ukraine war has revealed how integrated battle groups are key to modern warfare and how trained and integrated are our tri-services to carry out coordinated strikes. First and foremost, Ukraine war has revealed how integrated battle groups are key. But the Ukraine war has been fought, fought largely disintegrated. Okay. Russia is suffering because of its disintegrated approach. That's the lesson. The, <laughs> that's the lesson. Okay. And why Russia has not been able to make good is because it didn't have an integrated plan. Or if it did have an integrated plan, it didn't put, know how to put across things. So we need to learn from that. Yeah. Thank you very much, General Ravishankar. And that was a fascinating uh, conversation. I didn't know how the last hour went. Viewers, I'm sure you felt the same way. Please do send in your comments and also like to share this with uh, you to share this with all your friends and friend relatives who are following what exactly is happening. General has shed light on a lot of things. And, and you know, you, you, you're gaining a wealth of information listening to the general. Thank you very much, sir. And as always, looking forward to our next hangout. And do listen, tune in at 10 o'clock on Adi Chint's uh, YouTube channel. Defense talks, and, yeah. and defense talks. Defense, defense talks. And, and that is usually the tip of the spear. I mean, that's where the first things happen. And then it slowly permeates into other channels. So looking forward to that also, General Ravishankar. Namaskar. Thank you. Thanks a lot and Namaskar.